Hello guys and welcome to the Taders Life podcast today. I'm joined by a good friend of mine from university, Karis, and we met doing our uni course and she's an absolutely incredible woman. Today she is going to chat to me about a condition she suffers with. Karis, tell me if I'm saying it wrong, but muscular dystrophy. So without further ado, let's welcome Karis to the podcast. Welcome Karis to Tater's Life. Hello, I'm so happy to be here. I'm I'm so honoured to be on your podcast. Thank you so much. You know, you are such an incredible woman and I'm so excited to be having this conversation with you today. Oh, well, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be nice to have a chat. Would you like to explain what the condition is? Because I actually don't really have much idea of what it is. So hearing it from you will be great. Yeah, cool. So I suffer from a form of muscular dystrophy. There's there's loads of different types of muscular dystrophies, but the one I suffer from is called limb girdle muscular dystrophy um, or LGMD for short. We just call it LGMD. It's a genetic condition. Um, so there's loads of different types. Mine is 2I. So the number two and the letter I. They have, um, there's also 2D, 2C, you know, there's, there's loads of different ones, but mine is 2I. That's just to do with the actual gene um so the condition itself is just it, it affects all of my muscles really but mainly the limb girdle which is kind of like the joints so like my shoulders my hips my knees and it basically means that um these muscles will grow weaker and weaker as i get older that's that's basically like the baseline of what it is so that sounds just really really quite scary i'm not gonna lie you said it was genetic so does that mean that there's others in your family that have the condition or are you the only one at the moment? So I have two younger sisters and they both have it as well. Um, both my parents don't have the condition, but they were both carriers of the gene. Okay. Um, I've been learning about this in GCSE in um, science. I'm not a sciencey person at all, but I, I distinctly remember this part. Yeah, my mum has a, one of the bad genes. My dad had one of the bad genes. And I ended up getting both of those bad genes. It was a one in four chance and I got it. But also my two younger sisters have it as well, um, which is obviously a one in 12 chance of all of us getting it. So it's it's really rare that all of us have it. Um, but the condition is so rare and the symptoms vary so much that it actually affects us three differently. I'll go into that, you know, later if we, when we talk about symptoms and things. Yeah, that would be great. I was just wondering, did your parents know that they were carriers or was it once you had your diagnosis, they went through a process as well? Um, yeah, so the way I got diagnosed um, was actually because I have celiac disease, which is um, when you can't have gluten. Um, and that's not related at all. But while they were doing blood tests and things, I was diagnosed at seven. While they were doing all the blood tests, they found that some some levels in my muscles were really, really high, like like skyrocket high. Then they kind of did some more research and found that I had this very rare type of muscular dystrophy. And then they realized that both my parents were carriers. So to answer your question, no, they didn't know beforehand, only until I got diagnosed because it's not really a condition you look out for because it's just so rare. Um, so that's how I got diagnosed and that's how I figured out about it. But I, I think if I hadn't been getting all these blood tests anyway from celiac disease, they wouldn't have discovered my condition until a lot later on just because I wasn't really showing symptoms at seven years old. The the first symptoms kind of come around um, early teens, 
ish so I I would have definitely gotten diagnosed by now I'm 21 now I got the diagnosis a lot earlier than than I would have if it wasn't for see that disease so that's handy I mean there's a silver lining in everything <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but now that you've said that and you said that normally the symptoms come around your early adolescent years is that when you started to see these symptoms in yourself then yes um i was i was never fast in school when we did sports day i, I never won or anything but as i got to about year 5 year 6 i realized that i was kind of a lot slower than everyone else as i got into high school i realized i was really struggling with stairs and i would have to you know hold on to a friend's arm to get up the stairs and things and as I went through high school then just I just got more and more symptoms like um I struggled getting up from the floor um I struggled getting up from a chair um I I would get tired easier uh, you know a lot easier than everyone else so it was kind of comparing yourself to other people that's what you do in high school with anything yeah yeah I the, the the symptoms definitely came in more and more through high school to the point where I would really really struggle on stairs and long walks and things I had to give up cycling because I used to love long bike rides but I just can't do that anymore and as I got to driving then I passed my driving test and I drove for a year and a half until my doctor told me that it was too dangerous to drive because I found myself not being able to lift my legs up to the pedals oh so that stopped driving um, so you know there, there are lots of different things kind of as you get older like recently I've I've found myself really struggling if I bend over to come back up from from bending over you know to come back straight so just little things like that I know will get harder and harder as I get older. So which muscles because you there's lots of different types and you've got this one really really rare sort of strand so which muscles does this affect then? Or does it affect just a bit of everywhere? Um, it actually affects all of my muscles. So oh. I have, um, you know, checkups for my heart and my lungs and things like that, which are functioning perfectly. <laughs> yeah, so so that's good. So it does affect all of my muscles, some a lot more than others. So I definitely notice more weakness in my legs than my arms, for example, probably just because I use my legs a lot more. Yeah. So my knees are really weak um to the point where my knees could give way while I'm walking and I would just fall over and has that happened before oh yeah a few times that's another symptom so yeah I, I could just walk and then my one of my knees would just give way uh, it actually happened today it doesn't happen all the time but yeah just every now and again when you're not you know expecting it you can you know I just fall and that's happened since I was about 15 I think so oh my yeah. word you know that's why we need to do podcasts like this because nobody knows about these sorts of conditions like you're telling me about it and I'm like this actually happens <laughs> like that's crazy and now that you've sort of described your symptoms what were the symptoms in your siblings oh that's a good question so so my middle sister she's 19 now she actually doesn't have it as bad as I did when I was 19 I think I've developed the symptoms a lot earlier than she did and um, but she gets kind of a lot tireder she's very competitive so she doesn't really have as much weakness and the pain stops her before the weakness does so say say she'd be out playing rounders with friends she would just keep going and keep pushing until it gets painful for her whereas for me um I wouldn't be able to run because I'm I physically can't run because my muscles are too weak for example she also has uh, something called rhabdomyolysis which is 
rhabdo for short we call it which is basically when you push your muscles too hard this happens for anyone but more likely with people um, with muscular dystrophy if you push your muscles too hard it can make you really really tired and and a symptom of that is when your pee goes brown they always say like a coke color so I I don't have that I haven't experienced that probably because I can't really push myself because I'm too weak for that but she she gets rhabdo Um, my younger sister is 16 and she has experienced some weaknesses and some tiredness but again not as much as I did when I was 16 so she she's still able to do most things I think she's starting to struggle on the stairs or walking for a long period of time but yeah her her symptoms aren't too bad yet so that's good that that's just crazy and with with all of your sisters and all of how the symptoms sort of show themselves just different and that that's like I struggle with that because people normally be like oh yeah if you've got this your symptoms are this 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 and this but it's not exactly the same for this sort of condition which is crazy yeah exactly um it's the same with celiac disease which I also have the the symptoms vary so much I, I kind of take all of them but you know you can have mouth ulcers you can have you know nausea and vomiting you can have diarrhea like there's just so many different symptoms and yeah it, it's the same for this condition it kind of varies and because the condition is so rare there's only about 300 people in the world that have this condition yeah this this specific two eye strand it's it's really well you know re- registered there might be more yeah. but because it's so rare you um it's really difficult to find like a a list of all the common symptoms together I see what you mean yeah they don't really have enough for that and you know everyone's different ages so you know people um get worse at different stages in life you know because so I've actually met a few people with the same condition um through muscular dystrophy UK um and some of them have been in wheelchairs since they were 17 and some of them like me is still able to walk a bit and um still able to function day to day but you know might might get worse and might need a wheelchair by the time they're 30 for example so you know it it really varies so yeah have you had to make many adjustments to like your day-to-day life, say in your house? Have you had to move your bedroom downstairs or anything like that? That's interesting. Um, well, when I went to uni, I had to apply for ground floor flats, which was just a lifesaver. I have stairs in my house. I'm, I've moved back home now, but I'm hoping to move out into a ground floor flat, hopefully this year. But at the moment at home, we have stairs and we don't have a downstairs bathroom, which is very inconvenient. So... Um, I do have to struggle with the stairs. I we've had to have an extra banister put in, so I have one on each side, oh, you know, yeah. so I can use both my hands to help me up the stairs. So that helps a lot, but I do struggle with it. So that's why I'm kind of um, needing to move out. Um, another adjustment I've had to make, which was is actually been really good. You know, I told you I stopped driving, yeah, and I haven't been driving for a year and a half. I found a a scheme called motability which enabled me to get a car um but with hand controls oh, so wow. that I didn't with my feet so I'm driving again and I have a car now and it's great and I yeah it's it's really cool and I can drive just with my hands so one hand um is on the wheel it has like a ball attached to the wheel so that I can use it you oh, know that's rot- cool. it all. and then I have um with my other hand I've got kind of a lever to you know accelerate and break so did you have to do like a separate test for that then um I had to have lessons with the scheme um and then like an assessment thing but I didn't have to do like a whole test because I'd already had my license 
it was just kind of making sure that I was okay with the hand controls. So I've been doing that since November and that's been really good. Now that my disability is affecting me a lot more day to day, like I need I need a hand, you know, walking. Sometimes I need an arm to hold on to or if 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 my work is planning something, I need to let them know about my condition. That's that's something I'm getting used to talking about more just because in school it was it was so hidden that I didn't really need to talk about it. My my legs kind of go funny when I walk. It kind of looks like I have a limp. So I get people coming up to me asking if I've kind of twisted my ankle or broken my leg or something. So it is, I'm getting used to the fact that it's more obvious now and I have to kind of explain to people. It's mainly just um, kind of outdoorsy things as well. So I have a wheelchair. So if I spent, I, if I go on a day trip with my family and it, there's lots of walking, I would take a wheelchair with me. It, I don't use it all the time. It's just kind of there if I need it. So like with the wheelchair and having a new car that you're able to drive, has it given you a form of like a new lease of life then? Because I can imagine when you get that driver's license taken away from you and if you don't see this, that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, I guess, I can imagine that's really, really daunting for somebody. Yeah, it, it's definitely uh, given me a bit more hope and having a car has just like really changed my life And because uh, I thought I'd never be able to drive again. It's just, you know, whether or not I'd be able to continue using that. Hopefully my arms will stay strong enough to use that in the future. I, I guess I, I'm trying not to let my condition affect me every day. I still see myself as like a normal person. Yeah. But every day I like my condition kind of stays in the back of my mind and I know that it's going to, you know affect me when as I get older you know like situations like you know if I have my own family and things like that I know things will be a lot more difficult than a person without my condition would be able to handle but then I also look at people you know that that are in a lot worse states than me and it makes me really grateful that I can still do what I can do so it's trying to find the balance between being grateful for what I can do now but also being wary that things might get worse and basically feeling sorry for myself at times well the fact that you're able to like stay as positive of you as you do is admirable it really really is so with that being said would you mind just like expanding a little bit on the research that's going on at the moment yeah so at the moment there's no cure the only cure really um, the only thing that helps the condition is to just kind of exercise it a bit, keep the muscles moving. Um, but the end result of this condition is that it that it, it it's it's a derogatory condition, so it it will get worse. Um, but there is research going on for a cure, um, and it would involve uh, gene therapy, which kind of um, which means they'll they'll be inserting the missing gene um that that we lack for our uh, to keep our muscles working they'll they'll insert kind of like a replica or something that acts like the missing gene um into the sad person um to help with their muscles then and then their muscles will gain strength and and hopefully um kind of keep keep going and not get worse um so that's there's research going on at the moment. There's there's trials actually for um, a couple of things going on. So maybe I'll start one of the trials, um, but it is, it is a really big commitment. There's also a link to donate as well. If you guys are interested in donating, obviously you don't have to, but um, it's just because it's such a small condition, I, obviously it doesn't get much attention. So 
every little helps. Um, I think they're aiming for $50,000 and they're on 47,000 at the moment. So um, yeah, do we, we just need a, you know, a bit more push and it, it would mean the absolute world to me if you guys were to donate or, you know, if, if you guys even just spread the word about the condition, just because I think it's really interesting to learn about it um such rare conditions but it's it also gives me some hope as well that there might be a, a cure by the time I'm older and might need it a lot more so you know or maybe even my kids if they end up getting it hopefully not but you know it's yeah it is it is a bit it gives us a bit of hope definitely and I will absolutely be putting the donation link in the description box and everything and it's so it's so big that there's this sort of research going on and when you were saying it I was like but that just makes sense. Fingers crossed that it does work out and that there is a cure at some stage in the future. And yeah, I'll be making sure that I donate as well because I, I, having this conversation, my eyes being opened up to, you know, the struggles that you go through, it just makes me feel so grateful for like the life that I live. And like, you know, you actually do struggle on a day-to-day -day basis and having this conversation really does open my eyes up to the fact that, you know, I do have it, I do have it all right, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, it absolutely, yeah, that will be going in the description box. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for having this, um, for starting this podcast, because it's, it's really good to have podcasts like these. I think everyone should listen to you, like you, you interview really interesting people and um, it, it's just so eye-opening to hear some stories that you would never hear, um, you know, so it's, you know keep keep going keep at it like you you do really really well thank you and it's really quite interesting like since doing this podcast like you know a lot of people suffer with like type 1 diabetes and stuff but like because we don't learn about stuff like this in school and it's not on the education sort of curriculum when you have these conversations it opens up a lot of questions that people have so yeah I'm I'm really glad I've started this podcast as well because otherwise we wouldn't have had this conversation and we wouldn't have people listening and stuff like that. So yeah, I really do appreciate it. I've been meaning to ask now as well, and I don't know if this is like a bit of like an odd question, but has it affected like friendships and stuff? Because, you know, say for example, you're having like a hard day or something and you've got plans and you've decided last minute that, I can't do today has it like affected friendships and things they they've definitely had to get used to it I think definitely me my friends from home because when I was in high school um they kind of knew about my condition but it didn't really affect me so therefore it didn't affect our friendship but then coming back from uni and being a lot worse than I was when I left school um they have to, you know, they have to make adjustments. So if we go out for drinks, they have to be aware that I can't stand around for too long and they try and find somewhere for me to sit. Um, or if we're walking, they try and, and keep to my pace and not kind of rush off ahead of me. Um, so I, I would say it's definitely reached the point where I have to tell my friends and, you know, to to look out for me, not in a selfish way, but just, just for us to... <laughs> you know together do you know what I mean to be together yeah so um they have you know they, they all know about it and they're all very supportive and things and they don't see me any differently they just they, they they're just a bit more considerate when when my when we do something that my condition would affect me differently 
it's it's great that like you have good people around you to support you through this sort of thing and on that i've been kind of interested to hear about your experiences with muscular dystrophy like the community that you have is is there like a big community of you that get together or facetime or what have you um so we're registered with muscular dystrophy uk so there's a conference in newcastle um that i've been to before and i've met a few people in the uk that have the condition i think there's about 10 people in Wales I think or 10 people in the UK that have this condition oh, wow. um yeah I, I I think it's 10 people in Wales we'll stick with that um so I've, I've met a few of them but there's also a conference in Iowa in America that happens every year kind of in the summer and I was very fortunate to go um last year in summer was it 2022 <laughs> so- um, I was able to go with my family and it was really uh, eye-opening to meet so many people with the exact same condition as me. It was like meeting other versions of me. Like some of them have the exact same symptoms as, as me. Some of them were kind of like me, but a, f- a few years on. So it was really, really encouraging to meet other people with the same condition as me. I felt a lot less alone. It, it was really great to also meet people my age that have the same condition as well. It, it was nice to meet like literally all ages with this condition. And there was also a lot of talks there as well. It was kind of like a big conference. Um, lots of talks about a cure that's that's been researched into at the moment. At the moment, there is no cure um, for the condition, but there's a lot of research that's going on. So it, it was really interesting. And I've also, even though I said I'm not a sciencey person at all, um, I was able to learn a lot about the condition kind of it was kind of explained in baby terms so that I could understand <laughs> um, so yeah that it was just really interesting and I would definitely go again obviously it's expensive to fly out there every year um, but, but now now that we've made these connections we keep in touch you know we have group chats and things where we all kind of vent if we're having a bad day or ask questions so yeah it's it's nice to have a, a small community of people that are going through the same thing as me yeah definitely and it's it's so nice to I know it's it's not nice to know but at the same time it is nice to know that you're not alone in in this like sort of journey a lot of the time if you if you say something then people are like I get it and no they don't get it <laughs> but these people do which is really really nice and I need to ask about do you know your sisters do you know there's 10 people in the UK with this condition do they have exactly the same strand as you then so there's 10 people in Wales that have the same um so 2i the same condition as us so um LGMD 2i there's there's lots of other um different types you know like 2d and things um so I'm not too sure about them because it kind of affects them slightly differently as far as I'm aware there's 10 people in Wales that have two i that are registered with md uk oh wow so, um, so i've i've met and obviously three of them are me and my sisters That's so i've i've met a couple of other um people in wales that have it and a, a couple of them are already in wheelchairs and uh, some of them have the same symptoms as my sisters and some the same as me so again it, it it's a it's a good mix <laughs> <laughs> I, when i um like when we were going to do this podcast I gave like a little look online about like statistics and stuff like that I just wanted to see like what it was all about and I read a statistic that one in 
50,000 women are diagnosed with this condition. And I found, I just couldn't believe that statistic, like at all. And I was going to ask, when you went to the conference in America, were there less women there? Because apparently it affects more men than women. Yeah, I was surprised as well, because I, I think most of the people I met were women. Um, and I don't know if it was just women that turned up to the conference. Um, but there were, yeah, only a handful of men that I met that had the condition. And the girls from Wales that I met um, were girls as well. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know, actually. All everyone I know that has it have been, or everyone I'm still in touch with have been women. I don't know if men don't really reach out. You know, we have Facebook groups and things. I don't know if they're kind of registered with the scheme or anything. But yeah, I only met about a handful of men that had it. So that's that's interesting. I would like to know, like, what sort of advice would you give yourself? Because this is a condition that's going to affect you for a long, long time. So what advice would you give yourself? Because you're a very, very positive, outgoing person and that is admirable and I think more people should aspire to have this sort of outlook in life. So what sort of advice would you give yourself or your younger sisters as well? I think definitely just take each day as it goes. Like, you know, we have good days, we have bad days. Um, we have days where, we, you know, we, we feel like we, we can walk for ages at our own pace, which is great. And then we have some days where we can hardly leave the house. Um, so just take each day as it goes listen to your body that's really really important um don't push yourself and I know that's that's something that's that's quite big right now is like push yourself you know try and be better try and do all these workouts at the gym for me it's it's do do as much as you feel comfortable doing um to to try to try and keep keep your muscles moving in a in a in a good healthy way but yeah listen to your body don't push yourself um rest days are important you know like for everyone but you know especially for people like me who um really need to kind of take care of themselves um and just you know focus on the the good things focus on what you have in life and um you know just because you might lose a lot of things in the future doesn't mean that you'll lose the most important things in your life so um yeah, that's I, I think that that's what I'd say. No, that that was so put together. That is so beautiful. I've got a smile on my face because it's just incredible. Whoever's listened to this, this might help their day. Do you know what I mean? They might think, you know, I'm not alone. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me again. Um I'm really open to anything. So like if anyone has any questions, please feel free to give me a DM or something. Um yeah, I'm I'm an open book. <laughs> Thank you so much, Karis, for like being on my podcast. I've really, really enjoyed this conversation with you. It's been so eye-opening and yeah, thank you. No worries. I mean, I'm I'm very open. So thank you so much for having me on. And it's it's always good to educate people and to learn about new things. Absolutely. And in the description box for Spotify, I'll make sure that I put Karis's Instagram and I'm going to put some helplines and everything like that and make sure you check that out. So without further ado, I'll see you in the next one. Bye, guys.